Theirs is the fevered fury of life without love, goading them to lure men into the den of bloodthirsty moon monsters, driving them to tempt men in the deadly cave of moon gold, flaming into a wild lust to conquer man and destroy the world. Hi, and welcome once again to the Infernal Brains podcast. I'm Tars Tarkas from TarsTarkas.net. And I'm Todd Statman from Die Danger, Die Die Kill, a.k.a. 40K. And today we have a very special edition of the Infernal Brains podcast because we have a special guest brain. It's Carol Borden from the Cultural Gutter. Hey, everybody. Hey, Carol. Yeah, Carol is here to give us a a much-needed female perspective for this episode because we're taking on a, a pretty exhaustive topic, which is the idea of planets ruled by women with their designs on Earth and in particular the men of Earth, which is which when you get into it is an insanely robust little subgenre, especially during yeah. the fifties and sixties. So we come to this ex- already exhausted by the topic. <laughs> Having what I mean, we were watching. I think Carol, you were watching films this morning, weren't you? Yeah. In, yeah. And I spent the whole day yesterday watching films for this. So. Yeah, I was cramming as well, and at least one of them put me to sleep. So. Uh huh. We'll get to that one. <laughs> yeah. I've been enjoying people all week on Twitter with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some great screen caps. So mm-hmm. that that's been a good visual component. So yeah. You know, uh, it's it's we'll find a theme as we're talking about it. But what I will say about these films is that each one individually is stupid, but <laughs> but collectively, I think the fact that there are just so many of them and it's just this theme that won't die, I think that must mean something. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'm hoping by talking about it. We'll uh, we'll reach some kind of understanding, and then never talk about these kind of movies again. Yeah, we could argue whether you know this is more or less disturbing of the subtext that's in horror films with the women being killed. So whether right. the invading space women is better or worse. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. I think some people think of these as like kick-ass and and sometimes there are some kick-ass but they're enjoyable in that respect of these being kick-ass you know domineering powerful women but there's a sinister especially as with anything that's born in america during the 50s there's a sinister underbelly to it so so we should get started with it there are Three almost identical American films from the 50s that are pretty much right at the modeled heart of this genre. Those being Catwoman of the Moon from 1953, and then there's Fire Maidens of Outer Space. Uh, which year is, what year is that from? 56. All right, on it. And uh, and then there is Missile to the Moon, which I'm guessing is the movie that put Nick to sleep. Am I right on that? No, it was Fire Mains of Outer Space. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I watched the MST3K version, so I was able to actually finish that, but I don't really remember what happened in it. Yeah, the only so. thing people remember about the Mystery Science Theater version of that is the Black Crow Timmy who 
takes over during the show. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. they yeah, cuz the movie was so boring, <laughs> they had to create this really I think that is one of the most plotted episodes of Mystery Science Theater ever and it's all because Fire Maidens from Outer Space is so tedious. They had to do it to keep their viewership. But anyway, we're going to talk about Catwoman of the Moon because that came first. And uh, my note, my main note on that is America goes to the moon, brings (laughs) guns and cigarettes. Carol, do you want to talk about, start us off on this uh, with uh, Catwoman on the Moon? What were your first impressions? What were your last impressions? Um, I find it a really great example because I'm very ambivalent about this whole genre. Because on one hand, the space ladies can be really, really cool. But on the other hand, there's inevitably really horrible abuse of men who bring them in line through, I don't know, kissing and smacking around. Yeah. And this movie has both at such extremes. Like on one hand, there's the cat ladies and they're like beat ladies having happenings on the moon with their year old civilization of leotards and liturgical dance. Mm hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and then there's like these horrible doughy men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. It, and sometimes in these movies you can see the appeal of of some of the men, but these ones are like you say, like red blooded '50s guys who are are taking care of business and dealing with the lesbian threat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The misogyny in this movie is so thick that you could spread it on toast. You know, you could just it. It's pretty insane. And yeah. the depiction of women is, I, I think, like, the right in the beginning of this movie, you pretty much know, it, it tells you what you're in store for. I think something that's really indicative of this movie's sexual mm-hmm. politics is the scene after they've gone through launch and they all step out of their space hammocks and into their rolling office chairs that they have inside their spaceship. As soon as they wake up, all the men diligently go to their control consoles and start working away, while Mary Windsor, who plays Helen, who's the navigator, gets up, takes out a compact, and starts putting on makeup (laughs) while the other guys are working. It compensates for her wearing pants. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that struck me about the opening is that how it prepares you for the movie is in that whole launch scene, each of the actors gives you their own individual interpretation of, of the rigors of G-Force, and it, and it gives you this the, a preview of the panoramic range of bad acting that you're going to see. One guy looks like he's reliving a, tra- a childhood trauma, and uh, Sonny Tufts looks like he's mildly constipated and then uh and then mary windsor looks is asleep and looks like she's dreaming that like a kitten is pawing her face or something it's pretty uh pretty wide range there but but i digress yeah this movie is is really foul in terms of its sexual politics i can't really put it any other way and it's and the moon women are pretty cool definitely they got it going on yeah and the character of kip who's the one who I, I, when I was going through these films, I was looking at which, you know, which films the aliens are conquered by love, you know, because mm-hmm. that tends to be a, a common theme. And in this one, they're, they're sort of, they're conquered by love, I, I think, uh, especially. Anyway, I'm jawing too much about. It. Why don't you talk about the Carol? Why don't you talk about the role Helen plays in the whole? 
I thought that was really interesting and sort of yeah. repulsive is the role that she has in the whole scheme of the cat women. So Helen has been sent dreams from Alpha, the head of the cat women, that have allowed her to navigate almost in a dreamlike state, taking them from the earth to the moon and then on the moon to the secret cave that's like a decompression chamber mm-hmm. filled with moon spiders. And right. They're, the cat women are, in fact, manipulating Helen into bringing humans to Earth so they can steal the humans' rockets and then take over <laughs> and right. impose two million year civilization on us. Because they have the the women have the power to control other women. Yeah. But yeah. not men, as I think it was one point. It's like they asked why they weren't interested in the men, and they're like, because we can't control them, but the women we can control. Yeah, and I remember them talking about they thought it was unlikely that they could get an entire rocket crew of, of women. That's so right. Helen. Yeah, that's I right. think it's interesting that she's a navigator because now she'd be like a communications officer. Right, yeah. yeah. Even though we don't really see her navigating, but she seems because she, it's all it's all programmed into her mind. She oh. knows to land on the dark side of the moon, <laughs> and she knows where the cave is. And there's there's all kinds of very unsubtle foreshadowing that Helen is not as she seems, you know, where she's like, yeah. I feel I've seen this all before, and she yeah. she does a lot of uh, staring, sudden staring off into the middle distance and things like that. Um, I, I was kind of sad. I was actually very sad to see Mary Windsor in this movie because she's one of the great uh, femme fatales of 50s film noir. She was in Kubrick's The Killing. She was in The, the Narrow Margin, which is a great film noir. Force of Evil, Hell's Half Acre. And some of that she did after this. So she had better things waiting for her. But this is definitely a nadir for her, mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah, oh, and, and this uh, cat women also used her to do their seducing. They, they did a right. little seducing at the party, but mostly she was the one that was doing all the seducing, and they were making her love someone she didn't love. Right. Yeah. She, she causes tension between the captain, Laird, <laughs> played by Sonny Tufts, and Kip, the co-pilot, played by Victor Jory, who's the guy who is able to snap her out of her... Uh, moon trance by rough, you know, by manhandling her, basically. It's not and hurting she, too much, he says. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, at one point, the second time he does it, it's really creepy because her eyes kind of roll back in her head, and she's kind of like, ooh, hurt me, Kip, don't stop. Yeah. If I were Helen, I would give them up in a minute and go off with the Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. the cat women are definitely very cool in this movie. As played according to the credits by the Hollywood cover girls, and uh, I asked a friend of mine, Mike Barnum, who's an expert on American B-movies, if that if that was a real thing, if there really was a Hollywood cover girls, like if they appeared in any movies, and he did not know, but I couldn't find anything else on them. Not that they need anything else, you know, beyond this. Yeah, I think probably a marketing thing, although it could be just the name of a modeling group and because the people who made this right. went on to barely do anything else the right. group disappeared along with them so. yeah well there's yeah there's kind of a burlesque aspect to all of these movies 
too. Mm-hmm. So there's all, and there is always like the dance, the exotic sort of Les Baxter sort of dance number that happens in almost all of them. It's, it's yeah. I was even thinking that we could include something like Doris Wishman's Nude on the Moon in this because <laughs> it's sort of a precursor to that, you know, except that in an age when they couldn't have explicit nudity, but it's that same sort of burlesque sort of idea to it. And the the only other the only other thought that I had about this film is who vetted this crew that's on this, <laughs> that's on this ship? Like there's Helen who's obviously got her problems, and then the 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 co-pilot and the captain are at each other's throats. And then there's the guy Walt, who's the engineer, who when when they wake up and he first sees Helen, is like, say, you know, <laughs> and it's like, wait, have you not seen her before? Didn't you guys train for this mission? And the fact that when they they're getting ready to go out on the moon and they put on the boots, and Helen's like, these boots are heavy, and it's like. Didn't you train? I mean, didn't you have you worn these boots before? So I'm thinking it was something like, you know, moon launch at 4.30, meet us in the parking lot if interested or something like that, you know, because it's a very weird, weird crew they've got there. But yeah, that guy, Walt, he's always obviously that guy is a grifter with some mm-hmm. kind of criminal record, you know, that they could easily have been uncovered. Uh, his mustache, just his mustache. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I loved that they flew in what looked like an army field office. Like they have really heavy fifties <laughs> office chairs and yeah, those yeah. cots. Yeah, and yeah, they might have been somebody's office too. Though. Yeah, the, yeah. The fact they were in cots, not strapped down or, or anything. Yeah, I mean, this is very. This is a very early film in the cycle of uh, American fifties sci-fi films. It's from nineteen fifty-three, so. I can't it's, forgive it, but if you wanted to forgive it for some of its naivete, uh, I guess you could. But you I, I love that. I'm so glad they have office chairs, and not just <laughs> office chairs, but ones that look like they're made out of corrugated steel. Yeah, <laughs> and with wheels on them. Yeah, they and, roll uh, around them. Yeah. yeah. And they're not even nice big ones like they have in <laughs> Rom Patouille Orion, that, that German show. They have nice big high-backed uh, leatherette office chairs. But these are like, you know, the kind of chairs that the file clerks would sit on or something. Yeah. Anyway, Nick, we've been sort of talking over you. Do you want to give your overall opinion of, of Catwoman of the Moon? Yeah, it's not really one of my favorite films. It's like one of the... It's actually one of the first ones I reviewed on my site like 10 years ago. But the major, besides like the cool cat women thing, the major come away for me is how like it, even though it's early 50s, it still has a lot of the 50s sci-fi movie space exploration things going on where it's a lot of people sitting around under G-force with really slow ship maneuvers and then a lot of the there i guess it's supposed to be tension is it will the ship be able to make it type (laughs) stuff but like you know 20 minutes in so of course you know they're not going to kill everybody off right away right 
Yeah, they have to have all those sort of boilerplate perils of space travel. There's always the... Actually, I don't know if this one did have the meteor shower. Oh, there is... there. Yeah, there's a meteor once they land. But I think the other two, I think Fire Maidens and, and Missile to the Moon both had them encounter a meteor storm in space. The meteor is looking like balls of tinfoil. <laughs> Yeah, well, I can't say this is one of my favorites either. I probably, and I, I doubt I'll be uh, writing it up anytime soon. But, uh, you know, I'm glad. I actually watched it twice, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't be watching it again. Shall we move on to our Mexican neighbors? Or any, does anyone have anything else to add on, uh, on Catwoman? Or subtract? Even. Yeah, we can go back to Missile to the Moon later. Oh, okay. Well, no, if you really want to talk about it, we can... We can. If, if you need to talk about it, we uh, can talk about it. Well, if you didn't like Catwoman of the Moon, five <laughs> years later, they basically remade it as Missile to the Moon, and it's a lateral move as far as quality goes, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they improved slightly... The, the space aspect where instead of just being random doughy guys they actually had a criminals on the ship who were kidnapped by a scientist who turned out to actually be in league with the moon women right he was kind of yeah the, they kind of com- condensed the characters a bit because the scientist sort of plays the role of Helen where he's and I think even that isn't the queen of of the is it the moon this time, or is it this one? One of them, they go to the moon of Jupiter or something like that. But it's I a, think the a fire maidens. Okay, the okay fire maidens. Sorry yeah. about that. But the queen, I think, is named Alpha in Missile to the Moon too. I think because he because yeah. he's been canoodling. He's been to the, the moon before and has <laughs> been canoodling with Alpha. We find out later. So. <laughs> Canoodling, I'm old. Yeah. The, yeah, they, they reuse all the like, yeah. yeah, all the space ladies' names. Uh huh. And then uh, I can't tell if they reuse the spider puppet or if it's a different spider puppet. Uh huh. But I know the spider puppet in Missile of the Moon shows up in Misa of Lost Women, so it might oh, be the same uh, spider puppet in all three. But I'm uh-huh. sure someone will correct me. You know, that a couple spider, years now. So. That spider puppet has had as illustrious a career as Sampot Sans Crocodile from Crocodile. Yeah, I don't even think I got to the spiders. I saw the rock men. <laughs> yeah. Which was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, this one had the, the difference is that rather than the, the assigned crew that doesn't make sense that we had in Catwomen, we had the, uh, the two hunky young fugitives from the law who stow away on the spaceship and then uh, stowaways are a big theme in these movies too and then the scientist decides to use them as the pilots of the of the ship which mm-hmm. it could happen to you <laughs> but yeah for some yeah this one was difficult and you carol you didn't watch missile to the moon no i didn't no, okay. i watched about 10 minutes of it and it was <laughs> Uh, all Catwomen of the Moon, like the the people, as you say, make more sense in it, and the guys aren't such a projection of post-war anxiety about the place of men, but they don't have the Catwomen, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's an interesting artifact, but it's not. You know. Yeah, yeah. 
it failed to live up to the hype of remakes and it's probably a, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> right, a, a exactly. predecessor of and, terrible remakes well, yeah exactly stamina <laughs> I just basically didn't have time so if you're not going to have time for a movie that's an ideal movie to not have time for well what I did is I watched Ship of Monsters instead yeah, good better. choice <laughs> now now, Tars do you, uh, do you still want to do a separate episode about uh, Ship of Monsters because you were saying that earlier because we were going to um save discuss i mean we 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 have to talk about it a little bit yeah because, but um i'd still be interested at this point it'd probably be like a year from now or more just okay we're going to talk about it now right but all right yeah. we just gave you a preview of the infernal brains 2015 yep. okay shall we talk about planeta de las mujeres and vesoras which is the last time i will say that try to say that in spanish this is uh planet of the female invaders yep yep okay Okay. from 1967 Um, yeah Uh, mexico really loved this whole genre the idea i i think the mexican cinema of the 60s really loved all female everything because you get movies (laughs) where there's like all female vamp it's like invasion of the female vampires or santo had a movie where he fought all an all-female group of werewolves um there was that rocambole movie where he fought i don't know what they were supposed to be i think that what i think the translation of the title was rocambole versus the harpies where they were these women that had been turned into murderous hags by some kind of beauty potion or something like that but anyway that's they they like to pit their male heroes against scourges of of women so this movie is did did either of you watch gigantes planetarios i think is what the prequel to this movie is called did either of you watch that yeah i watched it it's yeah i didn't like it as much as planet of the female invaders yeah it's a lot more anyway what this is planet of the female invaders is a direct sequel made the same year to a film called planetary giants i think is the is the translation of that and planetary giants is a much more sober treatment of space travel i mean and that's within the realm of goofy mexican sci-fi cinema but there it doesn't have the the cheesecakey elements that this movie has in huge doses it seems like they kind of decide to make up for you know the how straightforward the first movie was by just loading this one with with all kinds of bomb you know mexican movie bombshells and it's directed by Alfredo B. Cravena, who is a German director, a German transplant, started his career in Germany and came into Mexico. And he spoke of having a system where he could make four movies in eight weeks. And I think that was basically by reusing cast sets and resources over and over again and filming films right on top of each other, which he obviously did in this case. So, uh, Nick, do you want to give the overview of this title? Okay, so basically the female invaders 
their goal is to kidnap people from Earth in order to steal their lungs to use so they can breathe on Earth and therefore invade. And through the course of the film, it's discovered that the lungs of adults are too used up, but the lungs of children are just right. So it'll culminate in the end where they're stealing a bunch of children from a school. And so our heroes, who part of them are kidnapped in the beginning, and the other half go to the planet by the middle of the film. They have to stop the stop the theft of all the children as well as deal with all the planetary politics on the all-female planet. Right. Yeah, it can be conf- there's a lot of heroes in this movie. There's a lot of main <laughs> characters and it it can be confusing if you haven't seen the first one because they introduce them all in the first one and then this one they just start sort of start running. So mm-hmm. there there's a guy who's a boxer who's being chased by gangsters and there's that comes from the first movie and mm-hmm. then there's like the professor and his secretary and all that stuff. But yeah, I thought one thing that yeah, one thing that was interesting about this movie is that they the Invasoras weren't after the the men folk in this movie. They were they wanted to invade the earth, but they were just after l- children's lungs. And I think that was also they're described as soulless, soulless women or women without souls. And so I think the idea that they would, I, you know, that they would kill children, you know, they had to put mm-hmm. that in there to really drive that home, you know, so. I, I loved that. I thought it was a great change from yeah. the previous yeah. ones. They're all about Venus yeah. needs men. Yeah, exactly. And I loved their trick. I loved that they tricked people into their spaceship at a carnival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a yeah they they just happen to land their their flying saucer at a at a carnival where there's a trip to the moon ride that looks exactly <laughs> like their spaceship, which mm-hmm. is it's very Super very convenient. fortuitous, yeah. very very convenient. Which is good. Yeah, I like seeing them take tickets from potential passengers too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I oh go ahead go ahead Carol. Just sorry. please bring your lungs on board. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want me to remove my shirt? Uh, <laughs> uh, I just thought of something that I wanted to add to the discussion of the earlier movies as far as a, a weird trope. And it was the thing, and it's a line that's repeated in both Fire Maidens and Catwoman, and it's probably in Missile in the Moon too, is that the idea where in Catwoman in the Moon, there's a part where this one of the young crew member is wooing one of the cat women and he says what happened to all your men folk and she goes you're the first man that i've ever seen <laughs> and that exact same thing happens in fire maidens too uh-huh and at the same time there's sort of this femdom aspect to the to the women and this idea especially in uh devil girl from mars that naya the devil girl from mars is like very severe dominate like older dominatrix type she kind of reminded me of the host of that show the weakest link you know like a yeah like a stern british dominatrix so i think it's interesting that combination of that you know that they're sexless but rather than sort of the the virgin slash whore, it's like the virgin slash dominatrix, you know. Um, the, the dom submissive. 
the and dom submissive. It's yeah. like fire maidens, they all belong to their father and they spend all their time dancing for their father. Right, right. That's he just right. gives them away and they just accept that. They're like even the woman who revolts against them is like, Well, by the law of Atlantis, I'm yours now. <laughs> And then, yeah, That's the right. other end, there's Devil Girl of Mars. Yeah, and Devil Girl of Mars does not give a shit about the men. The no. men That's why I kind of... And, that, and the yes. other thing that I thought was interesting about that is that it was the only one of these movies that I recall in which they make explicit reference to there being an actual war between the sexes mm -hmm. on, the, on the planet that she came from. Like, there's... There's usually so the the description of why there are no men on the planet is usually kind of fudged. It's a little fuzzy, but this one they said there well no is when the women were emancipated it led it led to a war between the sexes and the men were annihilated. So it was basically mm -hmm. a gen genocide of men. <laughs> I like that. They not you know they're not messing around with subtext. They're not messing around with subtext at all. And just the fact that that was a weird movie because it was actually British and based on a stage play, yeah. and it seemed very much like a British movie based on a stage play, and it all takes place in the pub of a inn on the Scottish moors. So I was kind of thinking of it as like the Lodger plus flying saucers, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that I just wanted, I'm sorry to take us out of the other film we were discussing, which is actually a pretty fun film, but I did want to point out that you're the first man I've <laughs> ever seen. Someone's fantasy, definitely. Mm -hmm. So anyway, sorry, where were, where were we? They were kidnapping people for their lungs? They were kidnapping people for their lungs. Yes. And it wasn't about repopulating the, their planet or anything like that. And this film, the top-billed stars of this film, who weren't in the first film, are all the women. And there's, like, a really great cast of of Mexican uh, B-movie starlets, I guess, if I can say. Uh, the queen of the planet, which it was the the planet called Sibylla, I think, is played by Lorena Velasquez, who has a double role. She plays the kindly sister of the queen, too, who's called Albernia. And uh, Lorena Velasquez is in tons of B-movies from the 60s. A lot of Lucha movies. She starred with Santo a lot. She was the lead vampire woman in Santo versus the vampire woman. And she was also in the wrestling women movies. She was one of the wrestling women. And she was a Miss Mexico in 1960, and she yet refused to participate in the Miss Universe competition that year, which is interesting. I don't know what the story with that is, but I think that's kind of cool. And she was the daughter of a Mexican character actor named Victor Velasquez, who also appeared in Santo versus the Vampire. <laughs> and so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, small world, the Mexican film industry of the 60s. And then as the two emissaries of the Invasoras on Earth who wear these weird, I, I think, Carol, you'll probably have something to say about this too, but uh, I describe them as head cod pieces. <laughs> <laughs> they have these weird abutments coming out of their heads. <laughs> and one of those is Martesia, played by Elizabeth Campbell, who was an American actress who also starred in tons of lucha movies and Mexican genre movies. She's in a lot of 
spy movies from that period. And then uh, Eritrea is played by Maura Monti, who's one of my favorites, and she's an Italian-born model and actress, and she's most loved, I think, by genre fans for Batwoman, where she plays Bikini Batwoman, and uh, Cazadores de Espias, Las Psychedelicas, and another one of my favorites, SOS Bikini Conspiracy, all of these, you know... (laughs) part of the Criterion collection. Um, (laughs) I was thinking, no, don't tell them about the bikini conspiracy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's out. We're ripping the (laughs) lid off the bikini uh, conspiracy here. Yeah, so they're really up front in this movie. Uh, I thought, and I think this movie's a pretty fun, like compared to something as noxious as Catwoman, I thought it was pretty fun. What do you guys think of it? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. It, I like that it changed the goals of the women, so it was less about, you know, finding men to just finding, you know, body parts. And then, you know, the men were secondary. And even, you know, the various men there tried their their luck with the queen, and, like, they only were sort of successful. And even then, she was just like, yeah, whatever, if I got time. Um, I'm busy for our plans. Yeah, the guy who made the most headway was the professor who, yeah. who who rockets to to the planet to save his his boxer buddy, and he and and he has in tow the boxer's manager, whose name is Taquito, and he is played by Jose Angel Espinosa, aka Furasquilla, in quotation marks, and I will just give a dire warning to people who are just getting into Mexican genre cinema beware of any actor who has a quotation bracketed a nickname as part of their name because that spells bad comic relief ahead um, <laughs> so but he but uh, professor the hero professor wolf he has to masquerade as kind of a dissolute you know bad guy in order to win his way into the queen's heart and he pretends to be a fugitive from the law and he's smoking cigarettes and he's a hard drinking guy and it and that works she he he manages to gain her trust by acting evil because she's so yeah i mean she's so evil that she would use a death ray to kill all the adults on earth so that they could more easily steal the children and their lungs and she's so evil that she can recognize all the things that he does as signs of evil with his smoking and his drinking right right like her heart just knows <laughs> yes and that that's a theme in the movie too cuz in the first movie he has to masquerade as a is a dissolute crumb bum in order to attract the alien spy's attention and he just goes to a bar and smokes a cigarette and then like <laughs> <laughs> Venus needs smokers. Yeah. I mean I, I obviously spent twenty uh, years of my life as one of the most evil people on the planet. <laughs> I definitely sat in a lot of bars and smoked a lot of cigarettes. I didn't know, but I'm better now so that's a recovery narrative for the ages yeah well you'll never get recruited as part of an alien spy conspiracy anymore yeah yes i think my favorite line in this movie was something like the ray of death is for adults only (laughs) 
which should have appeared at the beginning of of the movie. Anything else you guys want to say about this movie? I I really enjoyed it. I I found it very joyful and entertaining, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have a lot of the meanness that some of the other space ladies can have or movies can have. Yeah. And I did find their helmets fascinating. <laughs> yeah, the costumes were very very fascinating. The only thing the movie was missing was a dance. If the sentries with the weird hats had all done a dance, I I also noticed the, the planet is like it's like a real surveillance state. That was one mm-hmm. motif of the movie I really liked too. Okay. And there's there seems to be no civilians. There's just the queen and everybody else is her sentries in the in the in the codpiece hats. Um, but then she stresses over and over again how she's able to see and and hear everyone at all times and that's reinforced by there being these big view screens in every room where the captives are yeah with her face or her eye looking at people and there's some really striking it's it's very arty it's almost like french new wave kind of stuff in those scenes it's a good looking movie it's 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 uh you know it's cheap but it's he definitely uh cravena definitely knew how to film things to best advantage you know it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like the czech movies that were coming out in the late 60s yeah There's that's a good point did either of you watch blue demon and the another invasorus movie blue demon versus the invasorus or versus the female invaders that's okay yeah. it's okay. not I made, it, I made it halfway through before the show started <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was what you were watching this morning. Yeah, I didn't. I've watched it and reviewed it before, so I just kind of refreshed my memory. That that it was actually a little better than I remembered it. It's a very cheap movie, but uh, that movie has the what distinguishes it is in that movie the women are the space women are after Earth's men, but in this that movie. They have a very specific list of particular men that they want. They've already done their, you know, they've done their window shopping, you know, and they may be using the Internet or something, but they've found the guys that they want. And so when they get to Earth in their really shoddy looking spaceship that looks like a marble basically mm-hmm. dropped into an aquarium, they go about there's like a, a businessman there's a truck driver, there's a scientist, and then there's a guy who's a record executive. And so one of the, the Invasoras goes to the record executive and she auditions for him and it gives the actress a, the opportunity to sing a song. There's a whole musical yeah. number in there, which is pretty awesome. I appreciate um, that she did that before she applied the mind-controlling kiss. Yeah, Right, because she wanted his unbiased opinion, I think. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> she's a, you know, and they have something called exotopic power that mm-hmm. enables them to control men, turn men into basically zombies by just by kissing them, and it also is that the exotopic power that resulted in all of the men in their galaxy being wiped out. And I'm not sure how that happens, but that's their, they actually, and, and actually the alternate title of the movie is blue demon versus the seductresses. So, but that's their, their thing. They actually seduce men into zombiedom into uh, a trance. 
And then the side effects eventually kill them. And then, yes, right. And 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 I think it's if they're too far away from the from the source of the power, it kills the person uh, right. that they kiss, right? And this is one where love conquers the aliens. A couple of the aliens fall for hunky Earthmen, and one of them falls for a hunky police detective who gets her to sabotage the uh, security system on the spaceship so that Blue Demon, who is summoned like halfway through the movie, uh, <laughs> can come aboard and like and and show them what's what. I don't remember exactly what happens at the end, but I'm pretty sure it involves wrestling. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Were you clear on what the space ladies in this were made out of? Because there's that whole beginning part where they have that crystal ball. That's yeah. basically like take the form of beautiful women, and so oh, it's... right. Oh, mine. Oh, did I, mine was not a subtitled copy. So mine you wasn't, but, but a oh. little bit. I could mm-hmm. understand. Oh, okay. No, yeah, I don't know if they ever show them in any other form, but yeah, they kind of materialize in their little mini togas. And, yeah, and there's like the command lady in the crystal ball. Yeah, who's just sort of a disembodied head inside the crystal ball so yeah there's that and uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else should i i'm what else should we go on to carol anything you want to any of your viewings that you want to move on to or do you want to talk shall we touch on uh ship of monsters or i'm always happy to talk about ship of monsters mm-hmm. i don't want to ruin the future though no, it's, it's all right. We can talk about it. I'm sure we'll have plenty of other stuff to say too. Right. A year from now, when we half forget what we say here. Right. So. We'll destroy all traces of this episode. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'd I'd like to make a, a map of the solar system with all these space lady planets on them. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be good. You could call it like a map of women-friendly planets. Miss <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. Andrews' solar system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to we have to mention Ship of Monsters because I think it's pretty much the first one of these Mexican movies uh, where the with the female invaders because it's from it dates back to 1960. Yeah. And it's the same thing, like bathing beauties from space come to Earth. I think they're from Venus, actually, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. And we have Lorena Velasquez again, and the other space lady is Anna Berthlepi. I think I, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but she was a big star back then, a big pinup in Mexico in those days. So there's a lot of oomph yeah, in this she, movie. Yeah, she died in October, actually. So. Oh, did she? Okay. Yeah, there's one movie that she's in. It's a lucha movie called The Invisible Monster or something like that, where she actually plays herself. It's really weird. It's this. It's like a meta lucha movie where the luchador has to pr- protect 
the singer and actress Anna Bertholepi from The Invisible Monster, who's obsessed with her. And it's very strange. And we have a lot, there was a lot of uh, footage of her performing in the movie, doing songs and stuff like that. It's really, I can't remember the name of the movie right now. It's something like The Invisible Killer or something like that. And this is one of the movies that has a fake Santo. It's not a real wrestler. It's someone like the Golden Mask or something like that. <laughs> but that's for another episode, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ship of Monsters. It's it became like a big thing in monster magazines. I guess would have photos of the the monsters. Yeah, and yeah. that's like where I first first heard about it was that. Yeah, because the twist in this one is that they're they are trying to repopulate their planet and you know the men on their planet have died out and so the mission is to repopulate their planet but not it's not specifically with earthmen they're actually going to various planets and collecting male examples of various alien species so they have this whole menagerie of weird you know uh, <laughs> weird suit mation beast they only end up on earth by accident i think they uh, their ship mm-hmm. has a mal- malfunction and they crash and then they become fixated on this singing uh, cowboy go ahead carol pick it you can pick it up from there uh well I'm not sure how to pick it up because, like, basically that's it. They become fixated on the singing cowboy and they want to take him back to Venus. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, periodically, different one of the the monsters or the alien men show up in their elevator shaft and they have to, I don't know, spray them back. <laughs> right, yeah, there, there's the constant the threat of them escaping, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and there's only two space ladies in this. There's basically like the good space lady and the secretly evil vampire space lady who That's right. works hmm. together with the captive alien guys to try to take over the Earth, except for they're not apparently interested in taking over the Earth so much as eating the Earth, as far as I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's, and, and I remember there's, well, the main ones I remember are the Cyclops and then the uh, little the troll with the b- huge exposed brain because yeah, they're the, the guy, same saucerman. Yeah, those same costumes are used like ten years later. They use those same costumes in Santo and Blue Demon versus the monsters, and they they definitely looked worse for wear. Like they just been taken out of the you know the warehouse out of mothballs. But so I know those. But then there's also something that looks like a a dog skeleton or something it's like a puppet skeleton of some kind yeah, yeah. that's the one that goes eh, 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 right eh, all right. the time yeah. from twitter told me that he was from a planet where they had an atomic accident and they're all skeletons now and oh, that, okay. that exposed brain is actually the prince of mars and she says that he will never forgive the space ladies for what they've done to him yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow, that person had a lot of insight into the. Into mm-hmm. the... She speaks more Spanish than I do. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, I think they're all like the Cyclops guy. He's a leader too of his group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. They actually get their own credit in the opening credit. It says, it, "I'm going to say it in English." The monsters featuring the monsters of the galaxy. One is named Uk, Otter, Togwall, Tor. 
and Zock. And I think Zock was the skeleton thing, yeah. as I recall. It makes um, sense that they're leaders, too, because they keep forming, like, committees which have votes <laughs> on what they're going to do, and it's always led by the guy with the exposed brain. Mm -hmm. I also like in this movie how they steal so much special effects footage from other films that the Venusian women's spaceship changes appearance in every <laughs> in every shot because they're using a different some different American sci-fi movie footage for each of them. I think this is a, a really a great exemplar of everything that's fun about Mexican sci-fi movies or goofy old Mexican sci-fi movies. What do you guys think about it? Who cares? Who cares what I think? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to rocking. I think, like, speaking of rocking, I think this one's also interesting. With you were talking about, usually the Space Lady movies have musical scenes and the Space Ladies either sing or dance or both. Mm. And in this one, there's just the singing cowboy. Yeah. Till the end, when Tor the robot falls in love with his jukebox. But right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's an awesome robot in this movie too. Right. <laughs> it sings at the end. And makes boing noises. Uh huh. Yeah. It has little coils sticking off it too. <laughs> also, uh, Devil La Devil Girl from Mars has an awesome robot too. That is one of its savings graces. But the Ship of Monsters robot holds a special place yeah. in my heart. He's from another planet where everyone died because of the atomic radiation, and he's the only one left. So that's why they pick him up. The robot? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know the yeah. robot was part of their menagerie. I thought he was part of their crew. Yeah, they pick him up on some planet when they were looking for the men, so I guess they realized oh. he was useful. So. You, 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 and I saw a subtitled version of this. We saw it at the Pacific Film Archives. It wasn't that long ago, but you obviously remembered it a lot better than I did. <laughs> oh, I watched it last night. So. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, and my yeah, my DVD copy does not have subtitles either. So I was in the dark through a lot of that. Missed a lot of the nuances, as you might say. <laughs> Carol, you mentioned a couple other films of this of this type that you wanted to bring up. Do you want to? I really, I think that Florbella and uh, Barbella and Gamera versus Gyron are really interesting space ladies. They're more like mm -hmm. uh, the women who are searching out for searching for lungs. They have a a plan of their own that doesn't have to do with love. Right, right. And love, in fact, plays no part in it. Although they do have a penchant for children brains, so I think right. Yeah. They might have yeah. long plan. But I well, yeah, and I think like the evil queen from Planet of the Female Invaders, they have they don't really have any pronounced maternal feelings, you know, because no. they don't really have any qualms about cutting a little kid's brain out. No. Yeah. It's just more efficient. Yeah. And do they eat the brains? I forget. Why do they want the brains? Oh man. I don't remember. It it sure That's looks okay. like a brain feast. Uh huh. I mean, I've seen that movie probably seven they... times, so I should know too. Yeah, same here. I can't. Yeah, I can't remember either. I've seen that like a ton of times too. But yeah, it's it's interesting because like they're it's evil space ladies, but yeah, there's the no love aspect at all. But because mm -hmm. they're menacing their children, the two little boys, it's still sort of subtextual. So like, it's really just bizarre. But like, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, there's the yeah there's. Uh, I can't remember what the line in the trailer for the trailer for Catwomen was, but there's a great 
line that's something like women without love luring men into the <laughs> into the cave of gold you know but there's that idea of oh yeah they don't need men okay well let's just see about that and then you know you know eventually their their weakness you know will be exposed you know by by the hunkiness of the men, either the Mexican or the American men. But it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting that it's that this theme just kept coming up so much. What is this thing you call love? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So he shows up on Star Trek, too, of Captain Kirk. Yeah. 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 Speaking of a trope, yeah. <laughs> oh, and we were talking about Queen of Blood a little earlier. And oh, yeah. she sort of goes the other end where she's just reproducing. She's just going to use you for reproducing her babies and she's going to lay eggs all over everything and then right. take over that way. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's sort of making a monster out. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, definitely the recurring theme in this, in all these movies that is this otherness of women, <laughs> you know, women as aliens, you know, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, Carol, I forgot to ask you on your planet, what is the preferred method for disposing of all the male babies that are born? Uh, do you put them on top of a high peak? Do you put them out to sea? Or is there a, some kind of a ceremonial pyre that you throw them into? Please tell us. Well, we used to do that, but uh-huh. now- do the Venusian method where somehow we have a nuclear accident and all the males <laughs> just die. <laughs> and we that's remain good. super beautiful. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a, yeah, there's the good the controlled nuclear accident is a good <laughs> for call is a good method of calling the herd, definitely. But yeah, there's this idea of the women as being uh, alien to men. You know, which is uh, it's not too hard to see where all that comes from. And that it comes from, you always hear, it's like a stereotypical thing. People say, oh, well, Mexico is such a macho culture. And, well, you know, America is a very macho culture, too. And obviously there's a lot of men who are just terrifying. <laughs> the, the, the most terrifying idea po- possible would be a world ruled by women, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and women who've 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 evolved in the company of only women coming to the planet of, of men and then or into the world of men and trying to enforce their crazy alien ideas. And then in a movie like Queen of Blood, you have their very physiology and the mm-hmm. whole fa- fact that they can birth life, you know, having that turned into something horrifying which i mean i guess you know you see that in alien too yeah. i mean that's like something that or comes up again species again. that's like where the alien, right. they send the dna code and then they grow the dna and it turns into the, the woman alien that right is desperate to have a alien baby i saw that in the theater and for some reason someone had brought her nine-year-old daughter with her. <laughs> oh god and during the hot tub scene, mm-hmm. the little girl started shouting, kill him, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know where you are in this movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so uh, maybe little alien girl con to the movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so not the most healthy 
sexual <laughs> politics in these movies, I'd say, you know, to the point where evaluating them, it does come down to going, well, this one wasn't as mean spirited. You know, I'll, I'll say like the Mexican movies, most of them are pretty fun because they yeah. seem fairly lighthearted and there isn't. There isn't that mean-spiritedness that you see. I mean, the, the Catwoman on the Moon isn't is incredibly mean-spirited, and and very and just you know resoundingly misogynist. And I don't see that in the Mexican movies quite so much. It just seems like everybody wants to have a good time. You know, they're definitely not enlightened sexually, but you know. Oh, well, and it seems like like they use the resonance kind of of them being female aliens, so it's particularly horrible that the Queen of Sibila wants to use children lungs, but mm -hmm. it would still be horrible if you had, like, the controller of Planet X saying, we need your children lungs so we can breathe. Right, right. I think with the Mexican films, and I may be wrong, but I, I mean, I find the, the Mexican star, the women stars of these movies are very charismatic, you know, they have, a, I, I find them so, so interesting and powerful that it, it's not, I mean, the, in a movie like the Catwoman or the, or the Fire Maidens, they're, it seems like the Catwoman are sort of more like a hive than they are, than there's any one standout character, but I, have, the Mexican ones have characters, and Catwoman and the Moon has tableaus. Yes, that's a yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah, they're, they're just sort of displayed. There's definitely a lot of display in the Mexican movies too. But I think someone like Lorena Velasquez. I mean, I think she does a great job in in Planet <laughs> of the Female Invaders, where she plays the dual role. Mm -hmm. And and you know, I think when I first reviewed it, I said this. You know, this is a demonstration of like the hard work that can go into being a B movie heroine because she's like really over the top as the evil queen. She's very over the top and she really plays that to the hill. And then as she has to play the virtuous one, she does that really well, too. I mean, it's all very broad strokes, but that's exactly what this kind of movie needs. And I think she does a great job. And the other two, too, I think... Uh, do great as well so i think you know or maybe it's just i have a thing for these actresses so it's so it's okay but you know well if lorena velasquez like she does the the twins uh subtly enough that you can tell which one is which even when they're they switch clothing at the end mm -hmm. true so true yeah she does a really good job in that yeah i i kind of honestly think they have characters and so i evaluate them as characters more than i evaluate them as like Oh, anxiety about reproduction and gender roles. And, right, and yeah. And you can't escape that with fire maids because there's basically two female characters that have speaking parts. And <laughs> right. mostly they dance, and the cat women are ciphers. Yeah, there's only, th I mean, there's only three of the cat women that have speaking parts. Mm -hmm. And aside from Alpha, who's the leader, the other two have, well, there's the one girl who's the... Mm -hmm. I've never seen a man before. <laughs> but, and that's her whole role is the virginal mm -hmm. cat woman. Yeah, I agree. I think that, that there's there's a pronounced difference between these movies, and I think that's a, that's a lot of it. There's no, no one bothers to give any of these space ladies real characters in the American films. Did we actually make it through all of those movies? 
Oh no, you know what we forgot to talk about? I'm saying I'm sorry to bring this up, but uh, just to quickly touch upon, just to show how it's not just about Mexico and the United States. This this trope is worldwide. There's also a fi- a Turkish film from yeah. 1955. Yeah, I was bring that one up too. Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, w- which is uh, Flying Saucers over Istanbul, which is a another film where a bunch of female aliens land in a flying saucer looking for Earth's men to repopulate their planet. And there's a couple of goo- there's a goofy report. I mean, this one is more of an outright. Did you watch this one, Carol? I don't know if I even mentioned it to you. You did, but I've seen it before, too. Oh, you've seen it before, yeah. yeah. Comic relief. Yeah this, yeah, this one's more in the sort of Abbott and Costello, you know, Three Stooges go to Mars thing, but it is the same tropes, and yeah, there's a couple. They have a robot, too. And there's, yeah, and what I liked about that movie is that the robot, if you look at its contours, is obviously meant to be a female robot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gendered robot. <laughs> Another film that I thought about is in the Philippines, there's the Darna movie, Darna versus the Planet Women, where the, the female invaders are each a different color each a different primary color and i'm not sure what they're because i watched an unsubtitled version of that one i'm not sure what their goal was but um definitely fits in mm-hmm. and there's probably millions of them that we from other cultures that we have yet to see but yeah you get the idea it reoccurs a lot Mm-hmm. There's still, you know, the occasional the men cultures need women things, and even the odd aliens need Santa Claus type <laughs> movies. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, aliens that... needing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just... Aliens are needy. <laughs> well, and and they don't ask either. No, they... no. Yeah, they, yeah. You think one of these movies they would ask and then well in didn't in the mysterians didn't the mysterians first ask for all of earth's women and then or it, <laughs> and then we refuse and that's when the shit was on and they started you know they brought magara out and all that stuff because i think they did ask us for our but women. at least we were polite <laughs> yeah <laughs> right we, we were like oh i'm sorry no no can't have those <laughs> okay now have we exhausted this subject yeah because i don't think i want to talk about zardas oh oh yeah wow yeah yeah you gotta be in a special mood to talk about zardas That's really yeah. yeah i don't feel like talking about that either <laughs> my dad took me to see that when i was like 10 years old or something i saw that in the theater when i was a little kid and i was like wow did you shout I, kill them kill them kill, kill them all yeah <laughs> diapers for everyone yeah. <laughs> okay well maybe it's time to wrap this show up carol do you got anything you want to plug um sure uh, you can find anything I write about comics at theculturalgutter.com. Um, but we also have people who write about movies, and we have people who write about romance and science fiction and fantasy. And every Thursday night, I am one of the three hosts of Drive and Mob on Twitter. You can find us at driveandmob.com to get the schedule and tweet along. 
How's that? Sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, what's the what's the next drive? What's Thursday's drive-in mob going to be? I think I might actually be able to participate this time. Do you know what the theme is? I have to look. Here okay, I'll I'll look. There is a there is a website after all. I shouldn't <laughs> use va- valuable podcasting time to find that out. <laughs> and you also have your own site too. Uh, uh, a different. Well, I mean, Cultural Gutter is your site too, but uh, Monstrous Industries is that what your uh, yep. other site is? Okay. Like my disparate doings and, and shenanigans there. Yeah, people should check that out. You're you're quite an accomplished writer. I always enjoy reading your stuff. Uh, so uh, I guess that's it for uh, this episode of the Infernal Brains podcast. I'd like to thank. Carol for stopping by as our special guest brain. Thanks, Carol. Thanks for having me. And sure, our pleasure. Yeah. Yep. And until uh, next time and next genre, the infernal brains are signing off. See ya. Where are your men folk? You're the first man I've ever seen. Mm-hmm.